if if anybody from El Taquito comes on the podcast, they're definitely being <laughs> cursed out. Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, May the 5th. Um, Two-thirds of this podcast has had, I don't know, tacos, enchiladas, um, other types of Cinco de Mayo treats. Uh, one of us has not. I'm not going to tell you which one of us, but one of us is sitting here and very... <laughs> very salty that I did not get uh, um, to partake, nor did I get a margarita. But anyway, we, we soldier on. Um, we uh, let's see. We're going to talk about uh, Virginia's spring game. Obviously, uh, spring practice wrapped up. Um, I can't. I don't know. I keep calling it a spring game, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a game game. It was more like a practice with some scrimmage elements. Um, but I thought we, you know, there's a plenty of stuff to take away from it. And so we'll get into that and sort of where things are for the Cavaliers as they um, round the corner of um, maybe the midway point of the offseason and head into the summer, which arguably is, is is I don't want to say more important, but it's definitely as important. Like guys need to make some gains in the weight room and certainly need to, you know, in terms of chemistry and that kind of thing between um, Brendan Armstrong and receivers. And then we'll get into, um, at the end, we'll get into Virginia adding um, six foot nine Polish forward Igor Milicic, um, an intriguing addition that says, I think, a couple things, um, which we will get into. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? It's going pretty good, Brad. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Only saltiness here is the residue from my margaritas, so I'm <laughs> pretty good man. Who Day is on the board, at Who Day is on Twitter. And up in Loudon, uh, a very uh, salty Justin Ferber. Apparently, his uh, <laughs> the service at his, his his chosen establishment was not the best tonight. But we're lucky that he made the podcast. How's it going, my dude? <laughs> you are lucky I made the podcast because uh, I don't know. I, I think I would have been there for until next and good to Mayo if I hadn't left in order <laughs> to get here. But yeah, I would say there were salts on the margaritas, but there certainly was not, even if oh. it was requested. And uh, but that's okay. Uh, we're on to we're on to the summer. So at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. If if I didn't have to play pay royalty fees, I'd use the uh, prices right. Bum 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 right now. Uh, Cavs corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, Do we have to pay royalties to the roots? Don't talk about it. Why would <laughs> you bring that up? I don't want to know. No, Never we're gonna keep charger. No, listen, listen. We're that's fair use, okay? That's that's fair use. Um, when it, if they find out that we've been using that song for roughly three hundred seventy-five episodes, we're in trouble. They're gonna own, they're gonna own this thing uh, in, with the quickness. Um, but I digress. They're gonna take all of our Patreon. <laughs> they exactly. Take all the Patreon after dark. Yeah. When everything oh, goes man. behind the paywall, you'll know why. Right. <laughs> uh, when when Ferber's back at streaking along with everybody else. Um, <laughs> All right, let's uh let let's go back to the spring game. Um, 
spring practice, spring ball, whatever. Um, I gotta say, man, um, Dontavian Wicks was a heck of a pick for being my guy that year. Um, would have looked uh, even smarter had he, you know, um, you know, really been able to play uh, a substantial role. Uh, maybe not like as good as the Lavelle Davis pick, but certainly a good one. Um, I feel really good about Virginia's wide receiving core after seeing them live without Davis. Um, and certainly Keaton Thompson looks like they're really going to use him as a wide receiver. I think that was probably the biggest, I don't want to call it a revelation, um, but maybe maybe the piece of the piece of evidence that made the most impact on me was how good the receivers looked uh, as a whole. Now, maybe that's because Virginia's defensive backs still need a lot of work, and we can get to that in a minute. But overall, I think that was the piece that I took away um, with the firmest take is that the depth is still really good because there were times when they, they didn't have Kemp or Jelani Woods out there and, and Wicks was still eating. I mean, he was he was really strong coming out of his break. He baptized, I forget who it was, what DB it was, but he baptized some kid at the line of scrimmage on a move. Um, so I thought that for me was a big thing. Obviously, you guys didn't get a chance to actually see it, see it, but in terms of um, sort of uh, – immersing yourselves or reading whatever you whatever you watch whatever you you heard uh dave let's start with you what sort of uh takeaways for you from spring ball is it are they good ones are they bad ones uh what what are some of your takeaways as we leave spring i don't know if i gained a whole lot from saturday i mean the amount of the amount of video available from the game was pretty pretty low um i mean just reading reading the reports and you know hearing what you had to say and everything else like I'm a little surprised they didn't run the ball more. <laughs> You'd think, like, after that being such a point of emphasis in Broncos' time with the media uh, this this spring, that they would want to show that they're more dedicated to it. But obviously, that wasn't something that happened. Um, you know, um, obviously, Wayne didn't play at all, you know, unless I missed misread something. But, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I think if there's one take-home message from the spring, it's, you know, the the offense looked like it's going to be pretty good. Um, maybe maybe even explosive at times. Uh, the the question mark remains: Is the offense that good, or is the defense just you know is the defense that bad, or is the offense so good that the defense has improved and they're still scoring? Um, so I don't know if a whole lot of question marks um, got answered over the spring, except for they got. I, I do think from the video I've seen that the team looks more physical. And obviously, is kind of thriving being back in a full contact role, um, and it looks more like football. So I, I'm anxious to see what they look like as they go into their next whatever Bronco calls it strength phase or strength, you know, weight cycle or whatever it is um, before they get back for for fall camp. So even without Davis, you know, I'm pretty excited to see what the offense brings, and optimistic that the defense will be better. Um, and, and curious to see if they add any more pieces to the defense over the next few weeks. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Ferber, what about you? What were your, I don't know, your your takeaways, good, bad, and different? What did you think? I mean, I'm going to kind of let you talk about it, but, I mean, the Jelani Wood stuff seems to be real. Um, Brad is, is taking all of his stock and, and putting it into him. I don't know who your guy's going to be <laughs> since Dave's already got him. But, yeah, I mean, it seems like that's a thing. I mean, for those that were there, I mean, it, you certainly weren't the only one that was talking about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that one of the things that we kind of take for granted is that we have some continuity at the quarterback position. Um, you know, like, 
obviously we got to see Bryce go from his first year as a starter to his second year, but um, and even Kurt before him, I guess. But you know, it, it's it's interesting to see a guy like Brennan take the games that he played last year and and sort of try to build on that with some familiar faces and you have to remember like he didn't get a spring ball as a starting quarterback last year and then um goes into fall camp and has like an abbreviated sort of covid camp before a short season so i'm interested to see what he can do now that he's sort of the guy and he's got a season under his belt and um you know certainly some guys back that he's played with before and some new faces as well so i think that you know his transition into year two as a starter i think if he can just tighten up a few of the things that he um like turnover specifically if he could tighten that up a little bit he can be very 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 good um and you know i think that i think dave what dave just said about the defense is true i think i i think there's more potential there than than maybe people expect um certainly going to be some new faces and the secondary definitely needs to improve from last season and, and Charles Snowden's not going to be easy to replace, but um, you know, I don't know from the spring game, I guess, Brad, you can talk more about it since you saw it play by play, but um, I, I feel pretty optimistic about this team going into, going into fall camp and certainly like what I heard from the spring didn't, didn't change that. Yeah. I think optimism is, is certainly, um, yeah, it's certainly warranted, right? Like you get your quarterback back, who I think we saw enough good things from last year. A lot of his issues, a lot of the the, the sort of negative plays, they do seem to be coachable, right? Like they do seem fixable. Um, their wide receiving core is, is plenty deep. I mean, frankly, you know, between Wicks and Kemp and Woods, that's a that's a three headed monster that's going to produce for you. Um, I'll get back to Woods in a second. But then you've also, you, you know, you have some other pieces. Thompson, you've got, you know, you can lean on Beal and Starling a little bit. Um, you know, there are other guys, you know, besides just, you know, Wicks and, and Kemp, right? And the way that their skill sets fit together, they're, they're actually, you know, if, they, if they're if they used correctly, they're they're tough to stop. The running game, to Dave's point earlier, I, I didn't think that they, they showed us a lot of it. I thought it was interesting that they decided to basically um, to park – um, uh, Wayne, so they could kind of get a glimpse of Hollins and 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 Walker, and I thought they both hit the hole well. I thought they um, they looked the part. I was not expecting Ahmad Faustin to come out there and and be this sort of scat back, you know, dude on on coming on out of the backfield the way he was. Um, that dude's gonna play, man. Like he 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 really looked the part too. So I mean, offensively, especially with that offensive line with so much depth, um, you know, multiple pieces at each position. You know, that's that's a group that should be really productive. But Woods is, I mean, listen, Wicks is going to be stupid good, okay? I, I mean, he's going to put up some really nice numbers and he's going to make some big plays. But Woods is a, is a matchup nightmare. I mean, that is, I, 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 he's one, it's one of those things that, like, this tends to have, like, the, he reminds me a lot of Bryce Perkins in the sense of, like, there were times when Bryce was cooking, I'm like, how did this happen? Like, how did UVA end up with this dude, Right. There were times the other day, I mean, like, I've seen clips and I've heard them talk about, you know, and I've, and whatever. But, like, watching him live, it's like, that's not fair. And I'm not, again, I know Ferber gave me some crap because I was kind of hyping him up on Twitter. But, like, the dude is the truth, man. I mean, Dave Dave carved out, I mean, he, his his corner is legit on this one. Um, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pain me. 
that he's gonna that this kid's gonna put up as good a season he's gonna put up and Dave's gonna win the my guy award this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, blind squirrels is, and all. <laughs> that dude is you stupid sort of did, good. You man. sort of did hit on like the reason that I was I don't want to say skeptical because I was glad to add anybody to that position to be honest, but the reason that I was sort of maybe not as high on him is because the track record just isn't there, you know. So. I was just like, okay, if, if if this guy was available and he went to UVA, by default, like he wasn't necessarily being pursued by the Alabamas of the world, and he certainly didn't light the world on fire at Oklahoma State, but he certainly seems to have the athletic ability and the the scheme fit that UVA wants. So even if maybe he flew under the radar a little bit, um, I think he's a pretty good fit. It's just it's just one of those things where I was like, I don't know, because. You know, we've seen guys like that come to UVA before and, and not produce, but um, you know, he doesn't have the track record record of producing. But it seems like maybe this is where he takes off. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe did... UVA got a break there because you know, even though the, what, the offense we run is kind of spread and there's a little bit of RPO elements to it, they don't run it at the like the breakneck pace, breakneck pace that like Oklahoma State likes to run their offense. And I think a guy like Woods, like if you're gonna if the, the highlights I watched for him from Oak State, he was mainly out wide. You know, he was in in tight a couple times, but most of the time he was in the slot, at least in the slot, right? So if you're going to be running no huddle and have a guy that big in the slot, I don't know that his productivity is going to reflect how good he could be. Because um, if you're just running a route, turn around, run another play, turn around, another run another play, and you're, you know, it, it's hard for him to play by play out physical the guy in front of him because this look a big guy doesn't have the stamina of, of a five of eleven or six foot dude. But I think if you can bring him in tight and he blocks a couple of plays and next play he goes out, that element of surprise helps you. So I think Virginia probably had some film with Boljohn that kind of helped sell him. And if you look across the country, there's not a whole lot of teams who do that anymore. Obviously, if Alabama would offer me, would have gone there. But I'm thinking in ACC, like Carolina uses their tight end some, but Miami's probably the the best program right now other than Virginia if I was a tight end. What I was actually thinking before you said that, Dave, was that it makes a lot of sense to me because hearing Woods talk about pole jam, right? Like they're building up a rep, right? And they're in a position where they're going to be able, you know, if, if, if Woods is anything remotely close to what I think he can be, they're in a position where they can walk up to any tight end in America transfer or otherwise and say here the, here are our bona fides like where else where else can what what other place can do this now it yeah would, and it i think that's the that's the next thing with with recruiting i think it's not just tight end not just real quick like i don't think it's just tight end i think it's football basketball whatever if you can show a track record of hey we took transfer x and turned them into a pro i think that's going to be like the new thing that can kind of sell recruits yeah, and that's a really good point because think about like the way that like recruiting is kind of in a little bit of a, a metamorphosis right now, right? Like we've already heard Bronco talk about like teams ex- recruiting exclusively from the portal so they don't have to worry about guys leaving. Well, look at what Virginia basketball has done with transfers. Now Virginia football is certainly doing that in the same token, right? You look at these guys who have who have had so much success. If Woods has anything near the year I think he's going to have, I mean, he's a pro. Um, now – if there's anything that I need to start remembering every late April, early May, you know, it's that the NFL draft is a fickle beast. And that, like these guys who you think are going to be like surefire pros sometimes don't necessarily pan out that way. Even just a few months later, 
And so we, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm going to speak for myself. Like I have made the mistake watching different guys, be they UVA dudes or otherwise, and thought like, man, that kid's going to get drafted. And then that dude definitely doesn't get drafted. I mean, Marvin Wilson didn't get drafted, man. Like that, I mean, I, I'm not trying to get into the ins and outs of his specific situation, but like that dude is super talented. Um, so, I mean, it's, if, if Virginia can continue to have success with these transfer kids, that certainly bodes well for them having more success for transfer kids. They're almost like cautions in NASCAR, right? It begets, you know, cautions beget cautions. Success with transfers is going to be the name of the game. Ferber's point is really spot on there about, like, the way that, you know, that can, that can really get you a, a lot of traction with guys who you might not normally have had traction with, guys who maybe went to a football powerhouse, maybe didn't get as much time or didn't work out the way they thought, and then they're back in the in the thing looking for somewhere else to land. I mean, Virginia's bona fides there can really help them out. Um, with with the defense, so let's talk a little bit about. I mean, I don't want to bang on it too much. Um, we've talked about the the playing a three three five. I'm I'm not trying to uh, to make a, a mountain out of a molehill here. I, I do think it was interesting that when I asked Bronco the question, he sort of danced around it a little bit. Like he didn't want to kind of come out and say like, "Yes, we're moving to this, whatever." And, it, and his point about, hey, I want to put the best dudes on the field, regardless of position, that's the kind of thing I think you say when you really don't know what you want to do, right? Like, I remember Tuje used to say that a lot. And he might say that today. I'm not real sure. Um, but I just think that typically it seems like Broncos had some more success when he has a blueprint for how it looks, right? Like, th- we, we want a dude who looks like this, who, and who has these attributes, who this skill set, and we want him play next to this kind of guy. Right. What it feels like now in the back eight, right, is that UVA is essentially sort of a little bit of a question mark. Now, I'm not sure how much of that is related to the current roster um, and the way guys fit together and or related to sort of um, the coaches, you know, moving some some roles. And obviously, you know, there's been a little bit of change on that side of the ball since the end of the season. Um, But I, I personally came out of spring thinking there's a lot of experience on this team, but you can look at, you know, you get Joey Blunt and Devontae Cross back at safety, and clearly they're looking for a, a third guy to to line up with them. But then at cornerback, like, they could actually roll out there with two completely different pieces that start. I mean, no disrespect intended here to Nick Grant, but it's very possible that Anthony Johnson and Josh Hayes are your starting cornerbacks, right? It's very possible that Anthony Johnson and Darius Bratton are your starting cornerbacks and that Josh Hayes is your number three. Like, that is not what I would have expected, you know, the middle of last season. Right. Um, but it's very, it's very clear that they know they need uh, a lot more uh, on that side of the ball. Dave, in terms of the defense, what's your stress level right now about that group? Do you feel, are you concerned still? Do you, do you like what you're hearing about Johnson and, 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 and Bratton sort of where they are mm-hmm. with Hayes coming in? Like where, what's your gut tell you right now? I mean, I don't know that I'm stressed. I, they were not great last year, and you know, Virginia managed. Um, they actually probably played better after Snowden got hurt last year, which is a terrible thing to say, but the numbers kind of say outside of Virginia Tech game, they they were as good with without him as they were with him, um, which speaks to probably what the problem was with the defense, which is if there wasn't pressure, the secondary broke down. But as we talked about last year and you know, right after the season, that's true of any program. You know, Alabama gives up touchdowns if they don't get pressure. Um, so, I mean, overall, I think I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with where the defense is now because I think they've added some pieces. You know, they did get Noah Taylor back, which wasn't a certainty going into the offseason last year. Um, 
you know, Carter, you know, the defensive line was a question mark because, look, we weren't sure if he was coming back. And um, obviously, Carter has emerged, you know, to kind of help soften the blow of Briggs transferring. So I think the defensive line is going to be plus, if not plus, plus. And the linebacker core, it's going to take a step back. But, you know, with guys like Hunter Stewart and, you know, Noah Taylor back and, like they've they've got pieces there. They and LA Brown came back, obviously. But you know, it all it's gonna come down to the secondary. And I don't think it matters if you're playing three three five or three four or you know, playing sub packages. It's can you produce not just five guys, right? Like it's if you look at the guys that are part of the five, and you just named Brett earlier, you named Grant, and obviously you got Joey Blunt back. And if those guys, like especially Blunt and Brad, didn't have anything in common, it's like they haven't been able to stay on the field for a full season. So my guess was, my hunch when I saw Broncos quote, like as in your story about, about the presser, like when when he wasn't wouldn't commit to the three three five, my hunch is he's not sure he's got the personnel for it yet. Because you know he, if you go back to his opening press conference when he got hired by Virginia, he said that's his preferred defense, right? Um, but I'm not sure he trusts that he has enough bodies in place where he need where he can fully justify committing to a three three five and making that the only scheme he teaches now through the William and Mary kickoff week. Because you don't know what you've got in the secondary. You don't know that they're all going to be here. And you also don't know what you have in some of these young linebackers who just for the most part got their first camp. You know, fall they had fall camp last year. Just was talking about with Brennan, but um, they didn't have a full fall camp. They didn't have a full contact. You know, they didn't have meetings with you know, face-to-face with your coach all in practice, getting immediate feedback. That didn't exist last year. So, you know, it's probably a 50-50. He doesn't know what he's got in the secondary, and there's some linebacker pieces that maybe he thinks can be better than he thought, and then you can stay in the 3-4 and just play situationally in a, you know, in a nickel and dime look. Um but yeah, overall, I'm excited about what the defense brings because I think there's some really young talent there, which maybe we didn't see in the last two seasons. That's interesting. I had not really considered the possibility um, when we started hearing rumblings about this three three five that that there was any ch- real chance that it could sort of revert back. I guess in in the long term, right? That's not a, a terribly like Herculean task. Um, but I, I, it does seem very Bronco-ish, right, to, to make a change and, and use the time and understand, like, okay, this is what we're going to do, and, and we're going to stick to it, right? Now, granted, if you decide to, to, to go back to more of a 3-4, or maybe you're just, you, you want something that's more akin to an, uh, maybe like a, um, a true nickel rather than an actual stack, right? Um, some of the things will be tweaked, but maybe not necessarily a lot. It just seems very un-Bronco-like to me for him to sort of, look at the the personnel later also dave's point uh there look it, it has been so long since i thought about juan briggs that i suddenly was like oh man imagine what you could have done if you had briggs and carter right you could have gone you, you could really do some stuff with that group of defensive linemen if you had had briggs now that's not to say that the defensive front is bad um i, I seriously believe that um if i had to pick I mean, I don't want to give I don't want to give any spoilers for our my guy episode, but dude, Sua Gunley is a very large human. Um, and granted, you know, we didn't get to see him this spring. 
um, because you know the one time that, that things were open, obviously he he was out. But um, that's he did a play a little bit in the fall, right? Yeah, he did. And and remember, I remember watching him run in the um, um, Abilene Christian game, and I was like, that dude is 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 a is a big dude who can move. And it's funny how like on defense, like a big dude who can move can make a lot of an impact. Um, now he's yeah, a different I mean, like, sort of. You can recruit a guy that's like barely played football and be like, yes. yeah, right. This guy, like Charles Snowden had like no football offers, and they were like, yeah. let's. He's big and can move. Let's throw him out there and see what yeah. happens. But a Gunlier is like uh, he just sort of demands respect, and it's like if if you 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 watch him move and you're like, all right. He was like he's like the basket he's like the football version of Mamadi Diakite. I was at a camp once and watched Mamadi like just run over and reach over and grab a ball, and he, the kid like was so fluid in the way he did it. I was like, all right, that dude's gonna be great. Um, Gunley has that same like he just he just moves so I don't know for a dude his size he does not move like a dude his size if that makes any sense. Um, so, but anyway, back to the back to the secondary. Ferber, when you you look in your crystal ball and typically you've got a pretty good read on these things. You're, you're, you're like the most reasonable of the three of us. I like to say, um, do we have a, a read right now on what Virginia's not only what the defense is going to look like, but the secondary itself, do, or do you, do you expect there's going to be a whole lot of bouncing around in terms of position, uh, personnel, you know, stacking and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I think you have some flexibility there, but the one thing that kind of encourages me a little bit, and I, I don't want to sound too negative with this, but you know, corner was a really a spot that UVA last year. Um, they just struggled. Uh, not all through the season, but there were, there were just big gaps of time. And even the season before that, um, just one-on-one coverage. There were just, I mean, and, there, and there's a lot of good receivers in the ACC, but I, th- I think part of the problem was they were just getting beat one-on-one a lot and and maybe not getting the help they needed um and that might be you know a reason to switch defenses but um i'm encouraged by the fact that bronco and his coaching staff seem to see that the same way that we do because they went out and got anthony johnson and then they went out and got josh hayes so like i mean i think that those two additions show you like you don't have a ton of spots like how you use them is is very important and and i think using two on corner kind of shows you what they think about what they need there and like if they feel like a transfer can come in and help out you know they're going to make that move and and i think that's going to help them you know i think that um not that safety was like a huge need last year but i think adding amos um, from the transfer portal late was like a really important addition to the secondary and helped them in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that adding these two corners is going to help. Um, I personally, like, I mean, I've made it clear on this podcast before, but I think, uh, Devontae Cross is, is much better suited to play safety. Um, he actually, I, I don't have his PFF numbers in front of me or anything, but, his he played well at safety in the first half of the 2019 season. I mean, he was coming downhill, making a lot of plays. I remember he was really good in that pit game, the season opener. Um, and then when he had to play corner, I mean, <laughs> I was watching the NFL draft and, and Deami Brown got drafted, and it's just like a highlight tape of, of Devontae Cross getting, you know, beat one on one on the edge. Um, and 
I, I think they're just better with him at safety. And I think, you know, the adding these guys at corner will, will give them the option to sort of move guys around and having Joey Blunt back is big. Um, I think, you know, that that's going to be a big help to them. And I, I'm cautiously optimistic that they can be better in the secondary. Um, I don't expect the new guys to come in and be, you know, the best corners in college football or anything like that, because that's just not usually how it works. But I do feel like they made some savvy additions and, and I think that they'll be better. And I know that they made some changes to, you know, delegation amongst the coaches and all that stuff too. So I think that they sort of understand that that was one of their biggest weaknesses and, and they're addressing it. All right. I think that's a good place on the football oh, side. I think we should I think we should oh. mention the addition of the grad transfer punter whose name escapes me. Jacob um, Finn. Finn, yeah. Which, I, I like I like calling him name escapes me though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the guy the punter, up, you know, the guy on, on Zoom, you know how that looks. <laughs> um uh, I think a, that was a big like late addition, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say that's actually, you know, that's very uh, that's a good point. And I should have I should have uh I should have I didn't even that. think about it till right now because I was looking yeah, at someone I mean, else transferring. One of the things that was that was interesting to watch, um for folks who, who haven't seen one of these practices, what they typically do in the scrimmage portion is that essentially if the offense scores, then what Bronco will do is we'll have two kickers on the field and they'll kick um, a series of kicks, not just extra points. They don't kick the actual extra point. There's no like lining up for it like normal. But Spring one kicker, so weird. Yeah, especially when they're not games. Um, yeah. So one kicker will kick and then the other kick will kick and they'll move the ball back and they'll move it around. And, and they basically they're charting all these things. Right. Um, same happens if the defense ends up sort of making the, the offense punt, right? And so then the, the punter will come out. And, be, you know, that kid, Farrell, I mean, he's out there banging, you know, three, four punts in a row. Um, I I didn't see a whole lot of consistency from him. but it, And so it makes sense to me, given what we've heard from Bronco this spring and certainly the sort of situation that they go out and find somebody. Now, the thing about the Finn kid that's interesting, if you look at his numbers, he didn't have to punt a whole lot, right? Like, but he did. He he was pretty good when he punted. He just didn't have to punt a lot. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm interested yeah, to see Brad, how that Dave one checks out. Punting numbers, and I was like, yeah, that's what happens when you can score points, <laughs> right? When you're when you're you pretty good. that much. <laughs> but he still was so good. Like he averaged like 46 yards a punt. It was 30. He, oh, yeah, no, he, yeah. he didn't. I don't think he left because uh, he wasn't good. I think he just wanted to go play somewhere else. Yeah, um, that, which is fine. But how's that? Guy, how's that dude just sitting there where Virginia can just be like, "Oh yeah, we'll grab him right after spring ball." Now my I know guess, the timing was just coincidental, but yeah, you know, my guess. What, but honestly, my, it makes me wonder if maybe they put him on scholarship. Exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is that yeah. like I wonder and if Florida, he, was waiting, he wasn't on scholarship or something? Right, he was waiting for another scholarship opportunity to pop up. I mean, that's one thing about the portal that is super you know stressful for these kids is like, yeah, you go in, but who knows if you come out. Right, like you, you, you look at some of these names of guys leaving different programs, both football and basketball, and where they land. Like you're like a lot of these dudes are not making you know lateral moves. A lot of these kids are making um, you know desperation sorts of move because they got in and then get the response that they wanted. And that's and what's funny too, because like especially for basketball, like that's how it used to be though. It was right. like, oh, yep. this guy can't cut it at UVA. He's gonna go to Long Island or whatever and play. Like he's just gonna go play somewhere smaller. Um, and now it's like when people see the head, it's like, oh, he made, he made a bad choice. And it's like, well, I don't know. It, it's just like a weird sort of dynamic now. It is. It really is. Yeah, right, it's so, like the lateral transfers were like really rare back in the day. So let's talk about Igor. 
Um, I got to be honest. Uh, I don't know if this necessarily means 100% that, that Trey Murphy is gone, but I don't think it doesn't, right? Like, it's one of those, the writing is sort of on the wall and kind of has been. Um, it's it's hard to d- draw direct, you know, like, you know, it'd be one thing if you're talking about a kid whose measurables and everything match up exactly. Um, this one seems close enough. Dave, let's start with you, because you, you seem, of the three of us, you were the one talking about Milch just the most. Um how excited were you when this kid, when this one finally went public and uh, it it became, you know, pretty much widespread that UVA was getting um, the Polish uh, power forward? I, I mean, I don't, I don't want it to sound derogatory towards Mister Milicic, but I mean, excited probably is a little bit too strong of a word um, because to me, like the first thing I thought when, like when his name started being showing up, and then when he committed was what you just said, like that, that probably means that Murphy's gone. Like, I mean, it doesn't mean hundred percent, um, you know, cause, cause I, I can mean, you can definitely carry Murphy next year and, and Igor, you got the scholarship room. Um, and I think ideally Virginia would still love for that to happen. Um, but it probably means even if Murphy doesn't come back that they're done with 20, you know, additions this year. Um, unless they can find the right grad transfer. Cause I don't think you want to tie up multi-year scholarships beyond Igor because um, I believe that puts you at 10 right assuming Murphy doesn't come back 11 with Murphy um, so yeah I mean it, look all that said it, the the people who think Tony spends too much time and puts too many offers into foreign kids could have a you know that whole argument could come to fruition <laughs> you know the, the answer to that argument could come quickly with with the team with you know when you take a chance on a kid like Igor and Milicic and you've obviously got Cody Statman on, on board and Francisco's still here. Um, like it's going to be a very foreign flavor to, to the roster, you know, almost a third of it. Um, and your front line, you know, cause you kind of, you kind of got to put Cody in that front line given the size, but you know, you got three bigger players um, are, are going to all be foreign now. So it, the people who think that's a bad way, you know, could be proven right or you know that argument could go go by the wayside but i think overall his upside is good like i mean he's definitely he definitely excited me when i watched it's hard to find video on that guy but if you do like a lot of the stuff you'll first find is from like what four or five years ago um when he was 13 14 years old and he was basically like a skinny cody step um but he had guard skills now he's like six nine and he's trying to think of him honestly he's kind of got trey murphy's build um, doesn't have his athleticism, but he has his kind of slender build, but you know, muscular but slender. That's what he looks in the most more recent stuff. And he's got look, he's got like most of the European guys, he can shoot the ball and he's got you know fundamental skills, he's got a good handle. Question comes can he play defense at this level? Can he handle physicality? Um, so if Virginia, I think it was last week, I said it like. I mean, I think there's two ways next year's team can go. It's, you know, if you get Murphy back with the with the pieces they've added, I think next year's team can be a real contender. If you don't, then, you know, and you can't find that right grad transfer. Yeah, it was last week. <laughs> if you can't find that right grad transfer or addition, then maybe you just kind of use Gardner, Franklin, Reese, and Kihei and the guys that have playing time to have a solid team but build depth for a run next year. Um, and I think Igor fits that more that mold more than make a run this coming you know this coming season. 
Yeah, the video is is definitely hard to find, but what is there is like, okay, I, I can see it. Now, ha- knowing UVA the way um, that I do, it's interesting that they have this like mix of, you've got kind of these, um, I mean, think about next year's team, right? So you, you've got Gardner and you've got Franklin, right? Guys who, you know, have a little dog in them. Right, especially Gardner. Um, Franklin, I think, is is kind of more of a uh, kind of a silent assassin in, in his way. Um, Kihei, we know, is is a dude who has a lot of heart. It, one of the knocks on foreign born players in general, right, is that they don't they don't have that edge. Most of them, anyway. Um, what I'm interested to see here is is how how does the how does the big man room so you know for lack of a description how does that come together. Right, because you think about like the skill sets as well as the sort of personalities. What will be really interesting once this kid lands here is how, what's his personality like? Does he does he which way does he trend? Because if he has some of that edge to him, um, he could really be a, a, a great piece for them. For what do you think? Have you watched much of of his film? And and how what, what is how excited are you about about this addition for them? Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of hit it. <laughs> It's not that there isn't any film. It's that, especially with European players, like, you know, when you guys do evaluations or if there's a camp or, you know, EYBL, whatever, um, you know, you're watching in complete games, you know, you're, you're getting a, a big sample size of a player's abilities. And obviously within that sample size, there's going to be highs and lows, highlights, whatever. Um but you're going to get to see like, oh, this guy, you know, high level shooter, but he doesn't seem like he can defend or, um, you know, he's inconsistent or, or he's completely dominant, whatever it is. With with the stuff that we see from international players, it's like their best clips, um, stuff that's just on YouTube, whatever. And there is certainly some promising things in those clips. Um, there's no doubt about that. I, I think. Um, the first time I watched, I was like, okay, like I'm trying to figure out what, what this guy is. And, um, the second time I went and I found more clips, I was like, okay, like I can kind of see like how this guy could be a high major sort of player. He's got size. He can shoot. He, he seems like he can handle the ball really well. Um, which is all very intriguing stuff. But the problem is I, I, it's hard to really have a great evaluation just because we're looking at clips that are that are there to demonstrate his skills like you know what i mean like it's not like oh okay like this is what this guy did there's not a lot of people that can vouch for him like over the course of time um besides people that you know have seen him play full games over there in the euro league um i i i think it's an intriguing addition and certainly one worth making um at this time especially considering how many open scholarships there are and, and he could end up growing into a very good player. It's just um, – and I, I don't want to sound like I'm completely out on adding international guys because I, I really do actually think that Tane Murray's going to be really good um, from what I've seen. But um, it's just – they're harder to evaluate. And, 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 you know, it's easy to get on the hype train with these guys. And, um yeah, I mean, I'm thinking back to when they added Kafaro and everybody was like, man, he dominated this tournament. And it just it just hasn't really translated to UVA. And, and I think he's going to play a pretty big role next year. But um, we'll see. I mean, I, that's kind of how I feel about this. I feel like there's a lot of talent there, and, and we'll see what happens. Um, 
I don't know if he's going to be a kind of guy that you stash as a red shirt and then he eventually becomes a player or, or if they feel like he can contribute right away, I guess we'll see. But um, it, it'll be interesting. I, I think he's got more potential than some of the other international guys that they've added, but um, you know, it, it's unrealized potential until we see him kind of do it over time. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, when if you remember back to the to the um, FIBA, what, what I forget what the tournament was that Kafaro showed out, and people were it was just, like a U nineteen tournament yeah, or something like that. People yeah. were just freaking out about how he like, was a he was a four star on other services, like yeah. because people were like, "Oh, this guy is so good!" Like off one tournament. And I remember at the time, like I would talk to folks, and they would be like, "Yeah, you know, we're not really sure if he's, you know, he's going to be all that, you know." And, and when I say all that, I mean like all of what he showed in that tournament. Because it was kind of like a perfect scenario for him. Um, yeah, people were acting like he was like Mark Gasol. Yeah, like, like, like oh one, man, like, like <laughs> you know, UVA got the steal of the century here. Um, and I'm listen. I mean, I, I don't want to count the chickens for the hatch. Like the dude could come out this year and 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 be in a whole lot better situation for all I know. But I just and he's feel not. Like, yeah, he's not like a completely like out of his element player. Like yeah, it's not just, like oh, like they completely whiffed or anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, that. like he is. He's almost exactly what they want him to be in a way, right? Like he's got some funky, you know, mechanics in terms of his, the way he moves, right? And and I think Mike Curtis and them have tried their best to sort of even some of that out. But man, when you when you think about Virginia basketball, you think of big dudes who screen and and, and he just hasn't had. Put it to you like this: the pieces around him have not fit him in terms of like making it so that you know he would have been perfect if he had if you like let's say he had been jack salt before there was jack salt he would have been perfect for that you know yeah he just doesn't have you know guard shooters coming off screens to you know what i'm saying like it's just a but in that yeah way. but in that tournament people were like he's drew timmy <laughs> you know, like, or whatever yeah, he, you know like he, he's gonna he be he a really guy that can just like though. back the basket score at will and and that yeah. i don't think that's fair you know necessarily but um, and I remember Cody Stabman had a tournament where he was playing in Greece or something, and people were freaking out about that too. But, you know, I, I, I think this guy's got more talent than those two guys. Um, but I, I, he, I think there's also, like, you have to have a level of skepticism. You can't expect a guy to come in and be like Sam Hauser from day one or something like that. Right. That's just ridiculous. In terms of yeah. the foreign kids, I would say that Tane Murray, it's like it's like there's Tane Murray, yeah. who I think has – I forgot him in my – yeah. Who, <laughs> who sort of earned his hype a little bit, right? And then I think yeah. there's a step down, and then there's like where Igor is, where you've got like, okay, this kid has like some decent potential, and you know we kind of got to wait and see. And then there's these guys who, you, you sort of have to sort of see more of them before you can get to that second. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you're it's it's hard for you to get to that sort of even excited level. Uh, what were you gonna say, Dave? Yeah, I was gonna say like I mean the other like we don't know what the staff what the staff knows about the guys they're recruiting for 2022. Like like. They seem to be in a really good position with Isaac Trout. And if they've got him, if they're comfortable with where they are with him, um, then adding a guy like Igor who's more developmental makes a lot more sense, right? Um, Because you don't want to go adding a guy that might scare Isaac Trout away because I think he's a really good player. Um, And then you can can add Igor Milicic now. And if Murphy comes back, that's great. Like I said earlier, if you find a grad transfer to play that three, you know, big three, small four role, that would help this team a lot. And, you, you know, it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. Like, what do you recruit, high schoolers or transfer guys? Because you don't want to spend your time, you know, recruiting a guy not be able to play him because you got depth in front of him, and then he would transfer somewhere else where he, he emerges. So um, maybe that's a little less likely from a foreign guy. Um, 
So, I mean, I, I could see some upside for taking him, but I mean, I do think he has potential. Um, the greedy me who wants next year's team to kind of be spelled out to me right now would, would have loved to kind of stumble into a more game ready guy to take Murphy's spot potentially um, than, than Igor is right now. But, you know, the guy who, who wants Virginia to be good every year can, can see the benefit of it. Cause I do think he has, he has talent. Um, and depending on, you know, if, if he plays with, say, Gardner does stick around for two years, um, a guy like you were playing off a guy like Gardner could be really good. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I liked, I liked that the staff added someone. Um, it, it's kind of, it seemed to me to happen kind of quick, but that just could be because it took a while for his name to kind of get floated, um, you know, before it became a, a commitment. Yeah. All right, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. Um, unless you guys have anything else that you'd uh, you'd like to share with the with the people, um, we're gonna give the we're gonna give the guys next week off. Um, Damon's gonna join the show. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit baseball and yuck it up a little bit. Um, but if you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, you can look us up on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs, we should be there. Um, and if we're not, let me know because I would like to make sure we are. Now, if you're somebody who has found the pod but has not given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. Um, some some decent stuff bubbling on the football recruiting front. Uh, obviously, a big month ahead with June and lots of official visits. Um but, you know, Zach Rice cut uh, has five visits and, and talked about that. We got um, Bo Atkinson, who is another kid coming in for a visit, who is a guy that, you know, Adam Gorney, who um, is our national recruiting director now, thinks could legitimately land in, at UVA. Um, I wrote a thing about uh, Brendan Armstrong and his confidence in Virginia's offense. Um, before I mentioned Damon Dillman talking about UVA baseball up there as well. Um, and so there's uh, lots of stuff. I, I also did a thing um, while I'm thinking about it. Uh, kind of revisited a, a, a piece I did last week. You know, what are these three these three important questions? Okay, now that we've seen this last part of spring, what, what, did we get any answers? So you can give all that a look. Uh, they'll be in your LinkedIn, your podcast app of choice, as well as uh, the content item for this very show. So hey, happy again, Mother's Day, everyone! Sorry, oh, yeah. I don't know. Happy Mother's Day! Happy Mother's Day, Mom! If you're listening. Yeah, well, my mom doesn't listen to podcasts. Um, yeah, my mom doesn't know what podcasts are, but happy. My mom Mother's doesn't Day. listen to podcasts, but she, I, I think I laid like twenty two bags of mulch at her house today. So there you go. Um, but yes, happy Mother's, Day to, <laughs> happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Um, so again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being graciously of their time as always. It has been a long year. They've been with me. I think I'm pretty sure like one of them at least has been on here every week since like pre pandemic. So I very much appreciate, um, I want to say, you know, again, how much they do. And uh, they very much have deserved the week off. Um, so enjoy it, whatever you may do next Wednesday night. Um, but anyway, um, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. Yeah.